Welcome to Making Action Happen with Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. We're here to discuss public policy issues in our home state of Colorado and beyond. Making Action Happen is presented by Action 22. Find out about our organization at action22.org. Now, here are your hosts, Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Making Action Happen. I'm Brian McCain. And I'm Sarah Blackhurst. Um, we have our good friend, Zach Swearingen, here with us. He's an Action 22 member, and he is running for office. Um, we're going to talk with him, and later on the episode, we're going to find out what the D in Brian D. McCain actually stands for. Um, but until then, we wanted to welcome Zach back. Wait, wait. It's dastardly. <laughs> I was thinking it was Delaware. Yeah, Maybe. I think we just started a new game. So, Zach, thanks for coming and being with us. We've uh, Zach has been our good friend for a, a long time. He's been a friend of Action 22s for a while. For a while. Uh, he's running for office um, for county commissioner. And uh, just full disclosure, another one of our members of Action 22, who's been, again, a good friend and a, a great member for Action 22, is also running. So we're going to hear from her um, in the next week or two. But uh, Zach's schedule was freed up. So so he came to talk with us today. So, Zach, welcome back. Well, thank we're, you. For we love to me. have you here. Um, so, we're just going to jump right into it. Um, you have you are kind of fell in love with Pueblo at some point, and uh, you've started businesses here, and you decided to run for office. And we'll talk about the whys later, but. Really, there's been a, a bit of noise, some hullabaloo around uh, some of the support that you've gotten. It's well, been interesting and surprising. First, we have to say what office he's running for. for oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's running for Pueblo County Commissioner. Now, this seems like um, it would seem like this is a local thing and it's not made a big deal. But actually, it's maybe the most one of the most impactful and important jobs for on local government and it's becoming more and more impactful and important in the state as the state sort of moves more towards local control that we've seen in the last couple of years um on the some of the important stuff we'd like to see more local control but there's also a lot of other things so this is why this has become a really important race is because that affects that so hullabaloo about support for the county commissioner seat of Pueblo County, Colorado. Yeah. So, you know, there's, we've had, we've had support across the political spectrum. We've had support from people of all walks of life, which we're very, very proud of. And, you know, I've known a lot of people in this community. I was born and raised in this community and I've served on multiple boards here in this community. And I think people know me. I think people know my moral compass. I think people know my leadership capabilities. I think people know my 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 business background. And they they felt that I was the right person for the job. And I applaud each and every one of them because it takes courage to step out and do that in a lot of cases. And I think that they, those people that it may have been a little bit of a controversy for, I think have actually received much more positive response than negative response from the actual people in this community. And, you know, I think 
I would implore everybody to do research on any candidate, on any ballot initiative, on anything that they're going to vote on, period. And I would implore people to go and look at me. Look at my website, zackswearingen.com. Uh, you can find us on, on social media, and then you can come and talk to me in person at any one of our meet and greets that we have quite a few coming up. So, yeah, I think I think it's a really good thing to have broad-based support because I think that that's representative of, of how people really think and live. Well, and it's important, too, especially with the county commissioner, city council. Um, those are the, the elected offices where the decisions and policies you make – are immediate on Correct. the community. So like, you know, Congress, even the state, you know, you're talking years down the road, you know, they'll pass something and you won't see the effects for like two to three years. But as a county commissioner or city councilman or woman or mayor, you see it literally like immediately. And, right. and, and that's why it's so important. And I know that the county commissioner races, um, they kind of get like forgotten about or not paid attention to as much as the larger ones. And I'm seeing that, like Sarah said, kind of that shift where people are starting to pay more attention to the local stuff, like your school boards, your county commissioner, city council, because they're recognizing that that does impact their day-to-day life more so than has been acknowledged in the past. No, I, I, I agree. And I'm, and I'm happy about that because I firmly believe that all politics are local. Uh, it, it truly does affect more of your daily life, your local politics, and you're held much more accountable at a local level. I, I believe that we should disperse so much more of governmental control back down as local as it can possibly be because of the accountability. Because if you, pay, if you make really bad decisions for your constituents – you live with them and you have to go to the grocery store and you yep. have to face those repercussions versus if you make decisions that affect their daily life and you never see them, you know, that, that can change your, your decision process on that. So it, it, it is, I think a very positive thing to bring that control or that, I guess accountability. That, yeah, that that yeah. that accountability back to the as local of a level as possible, and governance as as a whole to the local level as, as much as possible. So, one of the things you and I talked about earlier was uh, uh, some frustration that you have when people are asking you questions on very political. Uh, asking you very political questions when it has nothing to do with the job sure. of county commissioner. So will you lay out what you see as the actual job of county commissioner is a little bit? Yeah, so the there's three county commissioners in Pueblo County, and the entire, it's a countywide race, right? Uh, and quite frankly, it's a good thing that there are three districts within Pueblo County because what it means is I have to live within the district that I'm running for. So there is representation in each part of Pueblo County, which is a good thing. So the Board of County Commissioners consists of three county commissioners. They're the uh, policy and the uh, administrative authority within Pueblo County. Again, we're a statutory county, so we have to follow state statutes set forth by the state legislature. Uh they serve, the county commissioners serve as liaisons on each one of the county boards. Um, you know, there's numerous ones throughout Pueblo County. But at the end of the day, the, the biggest role is approving a balanced county budget. 
which normally hovers around the $200 million mark. Uh, last year was more because of the federal funds and some big projects that we have. But yeah, it's, it's approving that balanced budget. Um, but, you know, even outside of some of the roles that county commissioners have, I believe that they can also use their bully pulpit for good. Um, and they can, they can be that voice for the community. They can stand up for the community um, against maybe some legislation that's coming down that might adversely affect this community and make their voice heard. And they can start telling people what is going on. I mean, I plan to have at least one town hall style meeting once a quarter in every part of this county because it's really hard to govern and be a leader if you don't know what's going on. And that is a two-way street that they need to know, the people need to know what's going on um, throughout the county and even at the state level. So I, I feel that that's a big role of the county commissioner as well as just to enlighten people and uh, use that bully pulpit for a positive thing. Well, we know the issues that we hear about in our office all the time, uh, especially on the county level that come up. And I, I wanted to visit with you on a couple of those and just see where you're at. So we hear a lot about veterans issues. We hear a lot about energy, believe it or leave it, because um, there's some energy that's produced here in sure. Pueblo County, and that's going to continue. So we hear a lot about that. Um, of course, the economy, how we make uh, our county more robust, um, and uh, and finally, public safety. So let's start with the veterans piece. Okay. Um, we've we hear about this at all. You're a veteran. I am. Talk about that a little bit. Just being a veteran, <laughs> uh, it's great. <laughs> my back hurts. Yeah, my knees yeah, suck, my but. knee. Yeah, every every part of me creaks and aches and everything else. But. Uh, no, I mean, you know, Home of Heroes, right? Four Congressional Medal of Honor recipients. I sat on the board for Home of Heroes, which is a phenomenal board. Uh, we have. Why don't you start with uh, what your service actually was? Uh, so I was, uh, I was at United States Navy, and I was fortunate, fortunate enough to serve, you know, alongside some of the greatest humans on the face of the planet and serve as a Navy SEAL. And so phenomenal job i'd i'd probably still be doing it if my body wasn't so beat up and if i didn't meet my wife uh, prior to my last deployment very very high divorce rate in that job you're gone nine months out of the year and it just it it changes your perspective a little bit uh you know family and everything else so uh great job teaches you so many different life lessons uh you are eating humble pie consistently and I think a lot of people need to eat more humble pie because, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with admitting fault or saying I can be better. And so it was it was just a great, great, great job um, because it is that 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 family style attitude. Uh, military as a whole is like that. Uh, but, yeah, phenomenal job. Best job I'll ever have. hundred percent. But. Pueblo, specifically with veterans, I mean, we have a very high veteran population. Uh, there are things that we could be doing a little bit better here for veterans. Um, I've heard some discussions of some potential projects coming down that I would be, you know, I ha obviously have a soft spot in my heart for veterans and would be a, a supreme advocate for veteran services and for veterans, uh, you know, across the board. Yeah, um, one thing that we've been talking about um, is a one source or a one-stop shop for veterans. Right. And 
Fortunately or unfortunately, to make that work, you have to have a combination of the federal side, the state side, and the county and city side. And that's one of the roadblocks. I'm not saying it's here in Pueblo, but in the past, setting these up, we set one up on the the western slope that um, doing a good job, but everything kind of fell into place. But that's something, if you're elected, that I know will be coming within two years. I think the state's going to fund those. But again, the county has to be on board. The city has to be on board. And I think that would solve a lot of the miscommunications and lack of communications um, for veteran services between the medical side, benefit side, just everything, um, including your, you know, your American legions, VFWs. Um, would that be something if you get elected, you'd be willing to work on with sure. everybody? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, huge fan of teamwork. I know you are too. I know you are too. Uh, man, you can't, you can't do everything yourself. And, and, mm. and I think probably one of the biggest roles of this position that I'm running for in any real, elected or non-elected leadership is realizing you can't do it all yourself Mm -hmm. and building a team and leading that team. And that doesn't mean that you have to make every single decision. Um, You can kind of steer the ship a little bit, but you have to hear other people's inputs. And that I I plan to take that mentality with with me to every facet of this job, right? Um, And go talk to subject matter experts because I'll be the first to admit, I don't know everything about everything. Mm -hmm. And it's, not the smartest thing to think that you do. And if you have spent your entire career in one specific field and I come in and don't ask you for your opinion on something that's in line with that, well, I mean, that's dumb, right? Yeah. That's piss poor leadership. Um, so yeah, a hundred percent, I would be on board with working for that. Uh, because it would be hugely beneficial because it's, it's, it's a pain. I mean, you know, as you know, I'm a veteran too. And as you, and, and, and some of those, some of those services you can beat your, your head against the wall because mm-hmm. one stop shop makes things again. I love the word accountable because I believe in it. But if, if you're telling me something and I'm in the same building and I go talk to that person down the hall and they tell me something different, well, I can come right back and talk to you yeah. versus I called you on the phone. Now I'm going to try and call you back and get a different answer. And then there's that lack of accountability and that kind of pawning, pawning that person off on stuff. So I, I like the one stop shop. Yeah. yeah. Especially with veterans because how many people say, okay, I'm going to go register with the VA and then they go to the benefit side. Right. And they're like, well, you need to go to the right. medical side. And they're like, well, what's the difference? And we, we have to educate, you know, county commissioners on this too, because they don't even know it. somebody newly elected county commissioner. Like, Oh, go see the VA, get your medical. It's like, no, mm-hmm. it's not that simple. No. And I, I think that one stop or one source would fix that because it just, we'd all be sitting in the same room. Like, Oh, go talk to Zach over there. Or talk right. to Brian over right. here. So, and, and there's so many different, organizations and good organizations out there for veteran services, but it can get confusing. And again, you get sick of it. And I mean, if you have all of these different responsibilities, job, family, all this other stuff, you will miss out on benefits that you have earned because you're not being made aware of them. Uh, So, you know, I I talk to veterans all the time and, and, and there's like, you know, there's this personal kind of feeling too, with a lot of vets. I know, I know I've felt it. Most most veterans have like, you know, thankfully I never got shot or blown up. I mean, I got beat up a little bit, but, you know, a lot of people had it way worse than me. And there's this underlying feeling by a lot of guys and women that like, well, I didn't get it as bad as that person. Mm-hmm. So let them have the, the benefits where it's like, no, you earn those. I mean, yeah. you're beat up too. Um, there's things that may potentially be going on between your ears that you don't know about. Right. So I think that. 
I think that one-stop shop would be a phenomenal yeah. thing yeah. to help with that. So let's talk a little bit about um, creating a sustainable, healthy economy. Um, that's the thing that we hear about next. Right. You've started several successful businesses here in Pueblo. What's mm-hmm. the role that a county commissioner has in that? <laughs> uh, helping to create an environment friendly to business. So, the current board has really started positive work with the Pueblo Means Business Task Force. And again, kind of the one-stop shop for business development. And for all the reasons a veteran one-stop shop is beneficial, same with business, accountability, you're in the same building, I can stop, I can not get blown off by you, all these different things like that, right? So um, we need to create that environment for businesses to want to come here. One big piece of this that I'm sure you guys know about, but a lot of people may not necessarily think about is labor force, right? Mm -hmm. So we need a labor force. I'm a huge fan of the trades. Uh, I think that it should be a very, very, very valid option for students, high school, and potentially, not potentially, but I think probably middle school too, right? Um, Because you need to know that if if you're a young student, that four-year college or master's degree or something like that is not the only measure of success. I can be an electrician, a plumber, or anywhere in the trades and make a very good living, have a very high quality of life, you know, and have a good life. And we need to get better about promoting that Mm -hmm. um, to young people because if we don't, maybe my brain doesn't work the way that yours does and I'm not a huge fan of, of... you know, a soft science or, or, or whatever that four year degree might be, but I'm great when I pop the hood of a car, I'm not a failure because of that. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a different way that my brain works than yours and I can still be successful. So I think that that needs to be pursued a lot too, because if we have that really good labor force here, jobs will come. And especially if we can streamline that business permitting process and and make ourselves a bit more friendly to business, not cutting corners, not making ourselves unsafe or anything like that. Um, But just being real business friendly, improving upon that labor force. I think it's one of those, if you build it, they will come. We still need to do our work too and go out and pursue those, those companies and those businesses. Um, And there, but there's a multiple, there's, there's a multitude of ways to entice people to come, but labor force is one that, that I think kind of gets swept under the rug when it is absolutely crucial. You can't build a business if you don't have anybody to work at it. Right. Yeah, that's a problem that we're running into, even with this, uh, like, say, broadband build out in some of these rural areas. Okay, they have money to build this out, but they have nobody to do it, and there's no labor force to do it. Right. And in the past, not necessarily recently, but say five or six years ago, that was a big thing where there were certain industry in the manufacturing um, field that wanted to come to Pueblo. And the one reason they didn't is because there was no labor force. And, and that was an issue. And, um, how would you, let, let's say, let's say this. So you get elected, how, what would you do with the County that would promote that? Like, how would you go about that promoting that labor force or building that labor force for Pueblo County? So uh, research, research funds for, for schools, right? Again, things falling outside of my purview doesn't mean that I can't talk about them Mm -hmm. or work with somebody on them. Um, we have school boards. 
Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm not going to know who they are. And I would like to think that I might have their ear. And we sit there and we talk and we say, how do we facilitate bringing these, these programs back into the schools? And they are, they're trickling back in, but yeah. they're not, they're not where they should be or could be. I don't think, um, it takes time. I get that. But, uh, working with school boards, working with the state, uh, looking, f- looking for funding, going out to some of the actual, um, professionals that are in these fields because they need, they need future labor force too. Right. And they're super friendly to this. Um, they realize that they need to, to backfill people that are retiring or anything else. Right. So, um, basically just try to bring a lot of different people together, have that common goal where I can help. I will, where you can help you, you help. Right. But we all work together towards that common goal of, of, uh, promoting the trades a bit more and, and improving upon that labor force. And being a local elected official, that's way much easier than say, you know, Brian McCain wants to do it on his own. Nobody's right. going to listen to me. But if Commissioner Swearingen well, comes give in, yourself a bit more that, credit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they won't listen to me. But, yeah, <laughs> but no, that's valid point. <laughs> yeah. So along that same line of the economic sustainability and health of of the community, uh, we hear a ton about housing. I know you hear about it as right. well. Um, what are your ideas on addressing housing issues? Work with public and private, right? Um, we need to. Uh, we can do that on a lot of different things. Uh, but look towards, you know, I was talking to somebody today about downtown Pueblo and trying to promote and, and, and improve upon some downtown issues. Um, but we have we have some buildings out there. We have some vacant buildings. And whatever we can do, to work with uh, the private owners or if they're publicly owned um, to try and get those things cleaned up and get some affordable housing in there um, in certain circumstances. Um, again, trying to streamline the business process uh, for builders too. Uh, again, making sure that they adhere to all the standards that they need to, but making it easier to build homes and to build complexes for people, I think is going to be huge uh, for the housing market as a whole. Yeah. So we talk constantly about energy, and Pueblo um, seems to always be the center of this conversation um, on a state level, but then local level mm-hmm. um, as well. Uh, so much of the county's budget, as we know, comes from um, severance tax, and and um, so much of what we do. That's I think that's been one of the our current county commissioners' um, big worries: is what do we do with um, this to to be safe, but also um, to make sure that we don't totally economically devastate the county and the region. So talk to me a little bit about energy and where you see that at. All options on the table. Why would we not? We, why do you why do you not? Why would you make decisions about something that you don't know about? I'm not a subject matter expert in, in energy, but I know people that are. And so I think that I think too often people have had these preconceived notions of what works and what doesn't work. I mean, renewables are are great. Are they is the technology there completely to sustain us right now? I don't know. I mean, that that's that's a question for somebody who is a subject matter expert in energy, but I don't believe in limiting our options and involving the community um you know, I'm I'm not opposed to bringing the community in on a lot of different decisions. I know that at some point, you know, you have to make the decision and that falls upon the people that they get paid 
to do the job and are elected to do the, to do the job. But again, I think that we bring all options to the table um, because why would we not? I mean, there's technology, technology advances, advances consistently, right? And so we need to stay on top of that. We can't put ourselves in a box. Um, and, and again, I think we just need to bring them all to the table. I'm not sure if that's the best of answers, but I'm not a subject matter expert in energy, but I'm not going to limit this county to being painted into a box on something or painted into a corner on something. We appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that we're concerned about. We work on, especially during the legislative session, we work on it constantly. Um, one of the things that, that bothers me is um, there's uh, very few voices um, up at the Capitol during the session, and they're talking about Pueblo, and I don't think it's reflective of that. So um, how would you work with and then we'll get into public safety here in a second, because all these things you talked about, it's statutory um, and all of these things, it's it's, it's got to figure out how to work with the state legislators on this. How right. how do you do that? Because Pueblo constantly is there's always uh, there's always a buzz around Pueblo, no matter what, on the state level. How do you how do you bridge those gaps? A buzz about what crime or no? A buzz about Pueblo. What's going on in Pueblo? It's oh. it's a constant thing about what's going on in Pueblo. So how do you work with your state legislators? Talk to them. <laughs> yeah. What a novel concept. Right? Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, but seriously, talk to them and let them know what's going on down here and, and, and talk to you. So from my experience, sometimes sometimes the higher, higher up you climb in any job, you become kind of insulated from the people that are actually out there doing the job. And I'm talking about law enforcement, people that are on the streets doing the job. So I would talk to, and I know a bunch of these people, Talk to them, not just head shed. There's there's decisions that need to be made by head shed that 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 people on the ground aren't privy to. I mean, there's budgets, there's all these different things, right? Mm-hmm. But you need to get both perspectives. Um, and then going back to the to the to the legislators, talk to them and say, listen, this is this is bad legislation. This is going to hurt the people here. Um, and we're different than other parts of of the state potentially, right? So let's take take that into consideration before you make sweeping legislation that affects every part of this state the same when every part of this state is not the same. Uh, and quite frankly, again, going back to the people, if 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 I'm banging my head against the wall and I know that this is bad for this county, and I've talked to you as a legislator and you are ignoring me or you're you're following your your ideology more than you are serving the people, which is why you're putting that position in the first place, then I'm going to call you out and I'm going to have, I'm not going to do it without talking to you first and having a heart to heart. I do not believe in that and throwing people under the bus. Uh, But if you and I sit there and talk on multiple occasions and you're not doing your job, I'm going to make that known because you are there to serve the people. And if you're not, and you're doing your own self-service or, or serving some other entity or some other group, then go find a new job. And that brings us to public safety. Mm -hmm. Um, excuse me, one of the biggest complaints or concerns we've heard from, you know, constituents of any politician, it's homelessness and crime. Those are the two big ones. And and it's really funny because you have these political types running around and, you know, they're getting all their talking points together for this election where it's like, well, we need to hit on, you know, education or we need to hit on the economy or we need to hit on, you know, wedge issues, federal wedge issues. 
four out of five people you talk to, they'll say, well, it's unsafe and crime's bad. What are you going to do about that? And it doesn't matter what office you're running for. Like they were asking that to school board candidates, you know? (laughs) So, um, and it's, it's homelessness and crime. They're kind of intertwined with this. And as we see in Pueblo and a lot of these communities uh, of larger cities, even the smaller ones, um, it's visually evident that it's different than it was 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, And the crime side of it, you're seeing more, yeah, you're seeing more crime across the board, it seems like. But you're also seeing kind of the petty crime. Like, I think on my street, like, a car has been broken into every night for the past two weeks for change. They're not even still in, like, right. the stereo or anything. It's, like, literally breaking into a car, going through the change cups, and leaving. Um, what are you going to do about that? But, see, yeah. Uh, I'm running for school board, so nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> No, I mean, so that that was one of the straws on the camel's back to to, and there were a few that kind of pushed me in into running for this position. I mean, I love this community, and as you and I were talking, like, and maybe we get into it, so I'll, I'll save some of it. But two days after I closed on my business, like a homeless guy broke in, right, and and I walk in there with my wife. Uh, another buddy of mine that we were talking about doing some projects together and my two year old son, I think Mm -hmm. he was less than two at the time. No, he's two, but so my wife, my two year old son and this other guy and me, and I walk in and I see a clothes hanger on the stairs and I'm like, well, that wasn't there. So there's either been somebody has been in here or somebody's in here now. So I kind of aggressively say hello as I walk down the stairs Mm -hmm. and, this guy's down there. So I'm, I, I saw this guy out in the parking lot prior to the day, the day before. And, you know, he asked me for change or whatever. And I got to talking to him for a little bit. And he asked me if he could stay behind the building because it was going to get really cold that night. So he, I hear this Zach and it's this dude. And, uh, he had said he broke down into the window. Well, uh, freezing cold. Right. And, and which is understandable. And then he said he was getting bit by a spider and the window was unlocked. So he opened it. You know, I don't know how much is true. And then we, 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 we had this conversation uh, and it was pragmatic, but yet compassionate in my opinion, because, you know, I let him stay down there for a couple nights because it was freezing cold. I, I tried to get him a phone, gave him some food, um, did some things like this. So maybe that's the potentially the compassionate side. But then also it was pragmatic in the sense that I didn't have any security up yet. And, you know, he kind of was a lookout for me. And and we came to this kind of understanding with one another, like, hey, watch this and everything else like that. Um, and he didn't disrespect me by any way, shape or form, uh, held up his end of the bargain. But, uh, you know, we, we got to talking later and he's like, yeah, if you'd have said scram and beat feet right away, he'd have come back and broken all the windows out because I didn't have cameras up yet. I didn't have these, these things. So I think that that kind of, I think that we can be pragmatic and compassionate. I I care about these people. I mean, I care about all people. Right. But, um, and it sucks because the, the, it's, it can be a very, very dog eat dog world out there. Like they are violent with one another. Mm -hmm. Like, knives brass knuckles bows and arrows like all kinds of stuff like it's legitimately if you go out and look at it like it's it can be scary and there are people out there with mental health issues that are not that way that are very timid that are are not aggressive and they are subjected to that and so 
they need help, but there also needs to be repercussions for that aggressive behavior towards the citizenry. Like you can't just come up to somebody's car window and start banging on it because you need change. That's not the way to go about things. And there needs to be repercussions. So you can't break somebody's car window and steal change out of the coin tray um, and think that there are no repercussions. And quite frankly, you know, police are overworked. They're short staffed. Legislative actions don't help. Right. In a lot of these situations. But it takes it takes some creativity. It takes some compassion. It takes some 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 tough love where it's needed. But I think, again, we all come together and start working on this. And if there is bad legislation that prevents law enforcement from doing their job, then it needs to be addressed and it needs to be aired to the people that are actually in charge. And that is the citizenry who votes for legislators that votes for every elected office and they need to be made aware of this and what is going on uh and work with the work with the private sector work with churches work with with local nonprofits. look work with all of these different people most people are good i i legitimately believe that and i think that they care and why not give them some skin in the game and why not ask for their opinions too? I mean, there's been, I mean, churches have been, and and all these different organizations have been taking care of the poor for millennia. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like pick their brain, start, start working with them too. So I think it's a multi-pronged approach. I know it's not very specific, but again, get the ball rolling. There were people and there are people that have been working on these issues. Why reinvent the wheel? Go talk to them, say what works, what doesn't work. Right. I mean, otherwise, we're putting good money after bad. If we're like, let's start from scratch, like Pueblo, Colorado is the only place on the planet that has homelessness. It's not. Mm -hmm. So go pursue some things that have actually worked and try and implement that. And that's frustrating because so many. um, (coughs) Again, excuse me. um, So many of the decision makers and policymakers right now, they're not listening to the people that are working in this field. Because it's really interesting that, um, you know, you have a city saying like, well, we're going to put up a a tent city, basically a homeless encampment to take care and we'll put them there. And then all of the nonprofit people that work with the homeless, they're like, no, what are you doing? This is not what to do. Like, (laughs) don't do this. But then they do it anyway. And then then the nonprofits are like, well, we got to help these people. And then they kind of get caught in it. It's kind of like L.A. spending, I think it's two billion now a year on homelessness where they decide like it's not working. So we're going to throw another billion right. at it and hire more people and pay them a lot of money to yeah. do the same thing over and over without listening to the people that actually work with them. Yeah. So that's just throw that's more important. money at it. That'll, that'll fix it. Yeah. Well, they've made homeless people a political football. That's right. Which is unfair to everybody. Right. And it's that's an exploitation. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, it's garbage. I don't, how can, how can you sleep with yourself at night? Like how can you look in the mirror? Yep. It's, it's pathetic. So let's talk about, um, let's see, public safety. We talked about all those things. Okay, so I'm going to ask you two questions that are related to each other. One is, why Pueblo, and why are you running? Why Pueblo? I've got a lot invested here. I mean, I was born and raised here. People. Where did you graduate high school? Yeah, I, I knew that was yep. coming. <laughs> it's because, because honestly, it tells us everything we need to know about you. Oh, yeah. as, as soon Cent- as we know, we totally profile everybody. Yeah. The Centennial. Yeah. Oh, it's a Centennial. High I school. went to Central. Yeah. Well, my older sister went to Central, and my younger sister went to Centennial too. But we uh, grew up west of City Park. Went to Roncalli and all that stuff, and then we moved. My parents moved out to Pueblo West, and then the high school wasn't built yet. 
in the Pueblo West High School. I could have gone out there, I think, sophomore year or something, but then I just went. I stayed at Centennial. Um, but, yeah, why Pueblo? So, yeah, Centennial, and then uh, uh, graduated and then moved up to Denver for a year. Uh, I was a DJ up there, <laughs> stuff like that, on the ones and twos, the wheels <laughs> of steel. Uh, that's not that funny. <laughs> it is a little funny. <laughs> and um, moved back, went to college here, uh, graduated college, and then, you know, went off to the Navy, met my wife prior to my last deployment, and then we were kind of kicking around what we were going to do. And our goal was to always get back to Colorado. Uh, but we were potentially thinking, I met when, when I met her, she lived in Washington, D.C., and then uh, we met in Vegas, so what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas. <laughs> and But uh, I, I remember la we were laying in bed one night, and she was like, ah, I wish we could just bypass D.C. and go back to Colorado, and I was like, sold. So we yeah. did, and then uh, moved back to – stayed in my parents' basement for uh, almost a year after we moved back to get everything kind of in order, figure out what we were going to do prior to us starting the first business here. And then uh, – yeah, I mean, just it's my hometown, and I I love this place, and it ties obviously perfectly well into why I'm running is because I do love this place, uh, and I absolutely know that we have so much untapped potential in Pueblo County, and it's frustrating to see a lot of it just kind of go pitter-patter, you know, by the wayside, and it would be... I guess irresponsible of me because I know not that I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread or anything else like that, but I, I, I have a skill set um, and I have leadership qualities, you know, that I've picked up some, I guess that I was, you know, I just have, I guess, but I have leadership qualities. I have uh, a bunch of different things that would very well suit me for this job. And I could not sit idly by and, and not, try to improve the community that we chose to raise a family in. So. And that's why you're running. This is why I'm running. That's one of the best answers I've heard so far when I've asked that question. Yeah. All right, Brian, <laughs> something fun. Something fun. Um, well, actually, there's a documentary. I think it uh, comes out this week or it's towards the end of the or was it last week? It's either end of last month or this month. I think it's called Two Rivers, and it's about oh, the yeah. Central Centennial rivalry. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah they. Yeah. In fact, I think it was last week. It they showed it at uh, Memorial Hall. Um, I think it played. Okay, what did it talk about? Uh, the Bell Game. Yeah, it's all about the football game. Really? Yeah, yeah. The the oldest the rivalry. rivalry, the side of the Mississippi. Right. So I graduated. So you peasants know I graduated from Rye High School. Uh, so we would watch this. Yeah, go Rye. <laughs> I bleed purple. Um, we uh, we would watch this Bell Game because both of my parents uh, graduated from Central, okay. um, quite a few years apart. But I would always wear my mom's class ring was her Central class ring. But we would watch this Bell Game. So for those of you who maybe aren't from Pueblo who are listening, would you guys please explain the Bell Game? So it's uh, Central versus Centennial. I think mm -hmm. it started in like eighteen ninety something. 
Um, it's been going on. There was a gap, I think, during the Great Depression where they didn't play it, but then they brought it back. Mm-hmm. So every year, Central versus Centennial, and they fight over a bell. And then, like, South and East try to do the cannon thing, but it's right. not as cool. They don't fight. It's a football <laughs> it's a, game, well, and whoever wins the football game gets to ring the bell and take it home till the next year. there's a lot of fights at it. So they, they do fight for it as well as play football for it. But. Right. It's such a big thing. Like when you're from Pueblo, everybody says, what, what school did you go to? And it's weird because when you get out of Pueblo, when they say, what school did you go to? It's like, Oh, I went to CSU or I went to C or whatever Pueblo. It's like, no, no, no. High school. What high school did you go to? And and there's reasons for that. One of them I think is because Pueblo likes Pueblo people. And if you don't say a Pueblo high school, then they're like, Oh, this dude's an outsider or whatever. Um, And then the other is the bell game. And people are so ingrained with it here. Like I live half a mile from Centennial, but my kids are going to Central. Really? Because everybody in my family went to Central, so it's like that. Yeah. It's just Pueblo. Yeah, it's 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 high school is your alma mater. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So the year you graduated, who won? And yeah. then the year you graduated, who won the Bell Game? Uh, God, I, I don't. I don't. Oh, remember. come on, you guys! So I, re- I, I mean, look how I'm not the camera. I mean, anybody watching? I'm not. A, <laughs> I'm not a massive person. I did not play football. I wrestled. Uh, he didn't play football either. No, I didn't care about football <laughs> when I was in high school. But now my wife makes me go to all the Bell games. So I never went in high school. I think I went one year, but just ditched it and went and did something bad. But. Not until about five years ago did I actively start going to Bell Games, and that's because I'm forced to go to Bell Games. I went. I think I went every year. I, a bunch of buddies played football and everything like that. I th- I want to say we won, but oh, somebody will probably call I me. I can't. Out. Yeah. yeah, whatever. When did you graduate? Oh one. Oh one. So I was oh, ninety seven. So ninety seven. I think we might have won it that year too. As babies. I don't know. Whatever. Now there's going to be somebody watching this that goes, you were wrong. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, email us at show at action 22.org and join Get our email. Join our email. Yeah, Get for some participation. sure. All right. How do we leave this? So, um, some cool stuff coming up. Um, obviously, uh, action 22 does not support or endorse candidates, but we do support our members. So if you're a candidate running for any office and you're a member of action 22, you're more than welcome to come on our show. Just let us know show at action 22.org. Take as much time as you want to talk about the issues and why you're running. Um, coming up though, um, we're going to have more candidates on I'm trying to stagger it like a, a candidate episode and a non-candidate episode. So it, it doesn't get totally like, you're bored of listening to people running for office every week, but um, we are working on a project that if you have any uh, UAP stories or UFO stories, email us at show at action 22.org. I think we're going to try to do something with uh, one of the towns South of here. That's uh, a tourist, a fun type event to get people to show up because there is that air. And we went over it on the Halloween episode about how cattle mutilations and black helicopters and, I don't know, like Skinwalker, Bigfoot running around the valley in Trinidad and stuff. And there is a history of that. And it, it is cultural with those areas. So we're going to do something with that that I think is going to be fun coming up soon. So we do work on all the legislative stuff and all the public policy stuff. But sometimes we just need to wave our nerd flag. And so that's what we're going to do, yep. especially during a during an election year where we get – 
very bad voter fatigue yeah. um, in our office. So we're going to do with that. Um, we've sent out Save the Dates. The Action 22 annual meeting will be happening the 21st and 22nd of October here. Um, we will start sending out registrations for that here shortly. Um, we'll visit with you a little about, um, we'll continue to visit with you about that. But that's going to be an opportunity to hear from our members who are candidates. Again, and get to know them a little bit. That's the important part to us is we want um, all these people People who are candidates, who are members, we want you to get to know them because we get to know them. We think it takes a tremendous amount of self-sacrifice to even run for office, something that um, I'm not brave enough to do. So I have the utmost respect for anybody who does. Um, that's not our event, but we're going to see all, a lot of you at is uh, the state fair. All the state mm-hmm. fair stuff is coming up at the end of the month. Um, if you're going to be down, um, we're going to be having a reception um, there. We'll talk to you a little bit about that. Yeah. And if you're an Action 22 member, I think we're going to be in the parade and we might have some room. We would love to have you. Yeah, we're going to be in the parade. We, we, this is our favorite time of year. It's been my whole life. My favorite time of year in Pueblo is around the state fair. Um, it's a weird local cultural thing. I think the Colorado state fair is. So we like to participate in that. Um, and then this weekend we will be up in Rye at the Rye, um, town celebration. Um, it's the first annual one and we'll be there to help them celebrate, um, in, uh, in Rye on Saturday. So what's the dates on that? Uh, that's the sixth. I'm sorry. That's the sixth of August. So that's coming up. Anything else? No, um, if you're not a member of Action 22 and you want to be, email us at show at action22.org or go to our website. There's a, Mike's emails on there. You can email yep. him www.action22.org. And I am currently, I say this about every three months, revamping the website. So it's actually changing now finally. So you're going to see some stuff pop up there. Um, make sure to follow us on all the social media stuff. If you watch us on YouTube, please subscribe on that. We need to get more views on that. That helps us pump out more content for you and just uh, keep your eyes open because I think we're going to start pumping out quite a bit more content starting this month and look for that. If there's anything you'd like us to, in particular to talk about or a, a question that you have that you'd like us to unpack on our show, we're happy to do that. You can email us at show at action22.org. Chad Vorthman, I know you're listening and we really need to talk about this whole mustache thing. I noticed that Austin now has a mustache. What the hell is happening up there with all the mustache stuff? You've got to put it into this. We Are they playing volleyball next? <gasps> Are you guys playing volleyball next? In the parking lot of the Farm Bureau? Oh, my Lanta. I just had a visual on that. Stop this madness now. Um, anyways, we will be back next week um, with, we don't know yet, but probably another candidate or another show on all the issues that affect us. We have, we're have we having a lot of discussions on a lot of levels around this whole energy thing. So we'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. This episode of Making Action Happen is sponsored by Action 22's amazing energy leaders, Excel Energy, Colorado Rural Electric Association, Colorado Oil and Gas Association, Gil Romero and the Capital Success Group, Black Hills Energy, Nextera Energy, San Isabel Electric Association, Outshine Energy, 
Colorado Solar and Storage Association, Tri-State, and 174 Power Global. Action 22 is a nonpartisan, membership-driven organization which serves as a voice for action on public policy for 22 southern Colorado counties on the state and federal level. We focus on how issues relating to Colorado legislation, local government affairs, health care, education, and natural resources intersect for the economic health of our region. If you're a leader in your community and are considering joining Action 22, you can get more information by emailing show at action22.org or visit our website at action22.org. Thank you for tuning in to Making Action Happen. Be sure to join your hosts, Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain, for another edition of the show on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.